Hello, and welcome to District Reports. I'm your host, Eve Galanter, and today we're going to discuss a very timely and critical issue, uh, redistricting in the city of Madison. So today our show is really the redistricting report. Sorry, couldn't resist. Uh, The census. The census is a a once in a decade process that's set out in the Constitution in Article One, Section Two. It was a way to ensure that everyone was counted so the members of the House of Representatives could be allocated properly to the states. Uh, and over time, though, this has gotten much more complicated and have many implications. The federal government actually allocates billions of dollars every year to the states for all sorts of programs, some of which trickle down to the cities, and much of it is based on population. And this census has been, uh, is the only official head count. Um, So what is redistricting? What does it mean here in the city of Madison? It involves setting the boundaries on a map for the wards and aldermanic districts and ultimately designating polling places. And the boundaries are adjusted based on population changes over the past 10 years. And it's no surprise to anyone that Madison's population has grown substantially in the last decade. Dane County, I think one of the largest uh, increases in the state. And it ensures what we're doing through redistricting that each district is equalized so that residents have equal representation on the Madison Common Council. There are currently 20 aldermanic districts, so about 13,500 people in each district. The process takes place not only here at the city, but at the county and state levels, and ultimately at the congressional level as well. Uh, Today, uh, we're going to discuss the the process approved by the city of Madison. Uh, The city created an ad hoc committee composed of four alders and three residents chaired by Justice Castaneda. And like so many other things during COVID, the census itself was far more difficult. The results were delayed. So when the committee was finally convened, the process had to move very, very quickly. In part, by the way, not because we have an aldermanic um, or mayoral election coming up in 22, but the county does. And folks who are running for the County Board of Supervisors uh, can begin circulating their nominating papers on December 1. So the city, followed by the county, must get all of these um, boundaries well established. The committee, uh, after multiple meetings and public input, including placing proposed maps at neighborhood libraries, which is where I saw mine, adopted a map, and it was introduced this week uh, at the October 19th city council meeting, along with two proposed amendments that arrived 
before the deadline in order to be acted on a council's meeting of November 2nd, when there will also be a public hearing. They couldn't have done all of this without my guest, Ben Zellers, and his colleagues in the Madison Department of Planning and Community and Economic Development and staff in the city clerk's office. Uh, ben, thank you for joining in this discussion today. Yes, hi, thanks for having me. Sure. Um, I think it might be very helpful for our audience if you could begin by walking us through the criteria that were considered by the committee when drawing and redrawing the aldermanic districts. Uh, they, uh, I guess these are fairly well-established criteria, but the, the committee really had to focus on carrying out their mission based on those criteria. Yes, so um, there are a number of criteria that the committee adopted, and some of them are required by state or federal law. Um, but the committee also uh, did a, a substantial amount of work in discussing um, the list of criteria overall, including communities of interest and some optional criteria that they directed us as staff to analyze as we were uh, drawing districts. So um, obviously, and you've already mentioned this, uh, districts need to have, uh, aldermanic districts have, need to have equal population. Um, that's a federal requirement. Um, we don't have to hit it right on the nose, so there's a little bit of flexibility. So we have a, a range that we have to fall within, kind of plus or minus 5%. Um, we also uh, look to enhance the uh, participation of communities of color and communities that use a uh, primarily use a language other than English. Um, so that's another federal requirement that we need to make sure we're, we're paying attention to that as a criteria as we're drawing our boundaries and enhance participation uh, wherever possible um, as we do draw those boundaries. Um, then the two more criteria are that districts should be compact um, and be contiguous. And we also need to account for communities of interest um, instead. Right. Could you help us with a definition of that? That just seems so broad, uh, a community of interest. Yeah. So that's um, just in general, attempting to group uh, like-minded or similar, similar people so they can have uh, a representative of their choice that reflects their, their kind of common values and interests um, as part of the legislative process. So um, that's where the committee kind of delved into, you know, what does that mean for the city of Madison? And so they really um, directed us to, to look at neighborhoods and neighborhood associations, uh, to look at elementary school attendance areas, um, which is a challenge because um, many times those are just, you know, not contiguous in themselves, um, to look at college student populations and where those uh, students are clustered, um, to look at housing tenure, and then also income distribution. So those are all kind of communities of interest that the uh, committee was looking at as they were uh, debating and deliberating. The, uh, the did, did any one of those create, in addition to the elementary school attendance areas where kids get bussed in from a variety of neighborhoods, were any of the others particularly um, difficult in trying to establish? Um, I mean, it's... Uh, it's all a balancing act. So, um, you know, if you kind of adjust something for one of the criteria, you might be um, not quite uh, meeting another criteria quite as well. So it's, it's really just a balancing act. So 
Um, for example, with uh, neighborhoods, uh, if we try to keep neighborhoods whole, which I think in large part we were successful with, that um, you know leads to using a lot of that flexibility in terms of the uh, population margin um, to, to try to keep those neighborhoods together. Now, I understand that there was no consideration given to current alders and where they lived and or creating boundaries to protect incumbents. There was a, a, little, a, a saying that often was used, which is that uh, voters should choose their legislators and legislators should not choose their voters. Um, that in order to ensure that, that none of you on the committee, including staff, uh, knew exact the address of any of the incumbent alders. Right. So, yeah, that's not something that we um, looked to review as staff. That's not something that we mapped. That's not something that the committee ever discussed um, as they undertook their deliberations. Um, and I should say that there were there are some alders on the committee. So obviously they're aware of, of where they themselves live, but right. um, they never brought it up as part of the discussions um, of, of the different scenarios that were brought up for this redistricting process. So it is possible that when a map is finally adopted, uh, an alder may find her or himself in a district with an alder who currently is in another district and yes that um, definitely possible and i mean we've heard some comments from uh, members of the public throughout the process on various scenarios including the one that um, was forwarded to the council with concerns about about that um, so yeah there there um, can be some situations where there might be more than one alder in a new uh, district as it's drawn uh, there might be some situations where there are zero elected alders in, in a district as it's newly drawn. So it's um, something that uh, I'm sure people will be interested in looking at. Um, but as you said, um, that's not something that was a criteria for establishing these new districts. Speaking of comments from the public, did you feel there was um, a strong public interest in the process? Did a number of people make comments and uh, and tune into and comment at your hearing, at your meetings? Yeah, I mean, we got um, hundreds of comments throughout the process, a lot of them through um, just uh, emailing the redistricting uh, email address. Um, we got comments through uh, the libraries, as you had mentioned, um, the, mm -hmm. the library uh, Q&A and also the forms that were available at, at libraries. Um, so I think I think we got a lot of comments. We got a lot of interest. Um, certainly, we know as staff that this compressed process, um, and I think the committee recognizes as well that it would have been nice to have more time to engage right. with the public and uh, you know distribute information, make sure people were aware of this. But um, we had to kind of adhere to that abbreviated timeline um, with that crunch in between when the census data was released and when the new districts have to be in place. Do you think it really would have produced a, a different outcome if you'd had more time? I mean, it's possible. Um, I, I do think that the committee um, did a good job kind of using the uh, feedback that was received to kind of balance that, that feedback with uh, you know, all the criteria that they established to um, you know, help us as staff uh, develop a map that they felt was acceptable to forward on to council. Um, but 
Now it's impossible to say. It's, it certainly uh, right. could have resulted in, in a different map, but uh, hard to know for sure. Right. Speaking of the maps, uh, you are going to be able to share with us uh, some of the maps, including first a map of our aldermanic districts as they exist today. Uh, that with your screen sharing. Sure. Um, so call that up here, and uh, uh, hopefully you're able to see that. Okay. This now this is the proposed map. Not well, this the... shows both, so it's a little bit a little bit complicated. Um, but if I can uh, just I guess take a minute to kind of summarize okay. what what we're showing here. Um, the colors represent the districts as they are today. Um, so just looking at, uh, for example, uh, District 19. Um, Essentially, it's in purple as it as it stands today, but then that bold black outline is District 19 as it will be if the council adopts the uh, draft boundaries as shown. So uh, District 19 would absorb part of existing District 11 uh, in between Old Stock Road and Mineral Point Road. Um, because it didn't grow quite as much as some other areas of the city, it has to absorb uh, new areas. So. Um, this is a map that you know, has a lot of information on it. It is available on a redistricting uh, webpage for the city if people want to review this and other information in more detail. What, what areas of the city, just for those of us who haven't kept track of it, uh, were the fastest growing? Um, really, number one is, is downtown and Isthmus campus area. Um, you know, people have probably seen a lot of the redevelopment that's been happening there over the past uh, 10 years or so. And so that uh, actually is, is really the leading area. And District 4, as it stands right now, is, is almost 50% over the population it should be under redistricting. So um, that's just a, a really perfect example of why this needs to happen. So we have that equal representation. And then the far west side also had substantial amount of growth, um, District 9. Um, kind of to the west of the Beltline, uh, had a, a lot of growth in those new areas of the city. Then there was a little bit, uh, uh, certainly as well on the east side, um, District 17 and 3 uh, in particular uh, grew as well. And I, I would mention that every single Alder District gained population um, over the past 10 years. Uh, it's just that some gained it at a much, much faster rate than others. Right. I think those of us who, who've driven down um, East Washington can imagine the, the population increases just by the, the, the growth of the number of buildings that, that have emerged over the last couple of years, much less the last decade. Yes, yes, yes definitely. Right. So you looked at all of these things and applied criteria um, and came up with a new map. Uh, and this is the there. Yes, so this, uh, this is the map that uh, is introduced uh, to council um, at their meeting earlier this week. Um, we have a link to this uh, file through, again, through our redistricting website. So you know, it's impossible to see the, the whole city in one screen. Um, but this map does show the, the Alder district boundaries in red. Um, and then we also have to create wards as kind of subunits and, and smaller units of uh, for elections. Um, and those are used by uh, the city uh, to 
kind of aggregate up into all their districts. Uh, those are also used by the county to create uh, counter, county supervisor districts. Um, and then by the state as well to uh, create state representative, state senate districts, and then uh, congressional uh, districts as well, or house representative districts. And then the city clerk's office works to uh, find polling places in all some of these new wards that have been created as well. And, and perhaps new polling places uh, where the current one is no longer uh, available. Yes, so we do, um, as we're drawing the ward boundaries, that um, is, is pretty responsive, certainly, to uh, where polling places will be. Um, and so we do look at um, where the polling places are um, as we're drawing those ward boundaries. And it is, it's been a challenge, uh, especially over the past uh, couple of years with, uh, with COVID to um, you know, have an adequate number of polling places. Um, we are working with MMSDs to hopefully be able to make use of schools again at some point in the future. Um, but yes, the clerk's office works hard uh, every election cycle to ensure that uh, there are uh, uh, adequate number of polling places for everybody. So uh, there are a minimal number of lines. I think at your very last uh, meeting of the committee, uh, when you had two proposed maps, uh, and then there was a proposal uh, that finally emerged um, based on a, uh, a desire to keep more of the student population, primarily in, in District 8, uh, together rather than having some in, adjoining, in an adjoining district. Uh, and so maps 5A and B, which had been at the libraries, uh, were not adopted, but map 7A uh, was adopted uh, and incorporating um, uh, the desired change for the students in, in District 8. Yes, that's correct. So yeah, I mean, that's really an instance um, and an illustration of um, you know, how we as staff and the committee as well uh, took those comments that we got based on those, um, uh, you know, concepts that were introduced at the libraries and at previous uh, redistricting committee meetings, took those comments, digested them, used them to develop a new uh, scenario for the committee to review um, that addressed or tried to address as many of those comments as, as we could. And then, so that was introduced, that was adopted and a timeline was set for any additional amendments uh, to, by, uh, by alders uh, who wanted to have staff assistance in uh, creating the map that would reflect their proposed amendment. And that was, um, those were due on October 19th. Uh, and those two amendments will also accompany uh, the proposed and adopted uh, map uh, 7A at the Madison Common Council meeting on November 2nd. Could you show us please um, what each of those two amendments might look like? Sure, so this is uh, just a screenshot of kind of a zoom in view um, of the near west side. Um, and so one of those proposed amendments would move um, the triangle bounded by Monroe Street 
uh, Regent Street and Randall Avenue. Uh, essentially, back into District 5, where it is right now, the redistricting uh, boundaries had shifted it into District 13 uh, to kind of balance population. Um, this amendment would move it back into or keep it into District 5. Um, and then in exchange to continue to balance that population um, portion of the town of Madison, which the city will be absorbing in right. about a year, um, would go to District 13 when uh, the town is absorbed. Um, and so that would that would keep that population balance um, as it stands. If uh, District 14 uh, were to absorb uh, all those town islands uh, in South Madison, it would be a little bit over the target uh, ideal population. So uh, this this potential amendment uh, makes those two shifts um, to the districts 13, uh, 14, and five. Okay, and then the second proposed amendment. Uh, on the other side of town, another side of town. Yes, um, and so that uh, deals with District 3 and 17. Um, so the Ridgewood neighborhood, which is largely within Ward 19, um, as you can kind of see in the green green numbering. Um, it's, uh, it's split right now, that neighborhood is split right now between two Alder districts. Um, the uh, proposed uh, draft that uh, is in front of the council right now um, has it continued to be split, but this amendment um, would draw a new line and that uh, yellow line to the right, um, move that area uh, to District 17 to join the rest of Ridgewood, and then move an area along East Washington Avenue and Stoughton Road into District 3 to again balance that population. So that's the second uh, amendment um, that has been submitted for council consideration. Uh, a little bit about the process then, Ben, uh, at the Common Council meeting on November 2nd. Um, if you feel um, that you can share this information just to help folks who will be watching that meeting, um, for both the adopted map and the amendments will be introduced. And then the, uh, the motion would be to adopt map 7A. And then a motion would come to adopt uh, the one of the amendments. Uh, and that would be considered. And then separately, the other amendment would be considered. Uh, they may they, uh, they may be approved, they may be, uh, they may fail to get approval, um, and then the entire map would be voted on uh, and uh, take effect for the city of Madison for in uh, 2023 election. Yes, yeah, that's, uh, that's, yeah, essentially the process. And yeah, it'll be up to the council as to whether one or both or, or none of, of the amendments uh, are approved. And also up to the council as to you know, voting on that, that map 7A scenario that the redistricting committee uh, recommended to the council. Is there an opportunity for individuals, for council members to propose something from the floor? Can there be something entirely new suddenly uh, appear that evening? Uh, that is uh, technically possible, certainly. Um, you know, council members are free to propose amendments from the floor. Um, I think in this uh, instance, 
due to all the factors that go into redistricting and balancing populations and taking into account communities of interest. Um, it's pretty unlikely that we'd see a whole new proposal, um, but uh, it, it is allowed and there's the potential that council members could introduce you know, smaller amendments uh, from the floor uh, that would have perhaps less of an impact um, than maybe even some of the amendments that we talked about here today. Um, but we do have a timeline to which we have to adhere and there's probably not room for referral to another common council meeting. Correct. So, yeah, I mean, really the council needs to take action so uh, they can forward uh, the adopted map and adopted wards onto Dane County, um, which in turn has to adopt their final map um, before the end of November. Um, so, as you mentioned, people can circulate nominating papers for the spring election in Dane County. Right. Well, I want to thank you and all of your colleagues for working on uh, an incredibly expedited deadline uh, to carry all of this out. Um, this is, uh, had you, had you or any of your colleagues worked on a previous, uh, redistricting process? Uh, yes. Uh, Brian Grady, who's kind of, uh, leading the process on the city side had participated in the last, um, redistricting process, uh, after the 2010 census. So, um, having his, uh, guidance and experience has certainly been really critical for us uh, as the rest of the staff team to, to be able to do all this in this short timeline. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I do recall back in the 1980s when I was on the city council, I re representing the near west side, uh, when one of my colleagues and I found ourselves redistricted into the same district uh, and talked about what was going to happen and he at the time decided not to seek re-election. Otherwise, it would have been something that we may see happening in 2023. We will see some folks um, competing against one another who have been colleagues for years. Uh, and it will provide for some, um, some interesting election times that spring. To our audience, I want to say that if you have a comment or a question about the proposed redistricting, um, you may contact your alder directly or visit redistricting at cityofmadison.com. That will go to Ben and his colleagues uh, who will either forward it to an alder or answer you directly. And then do consider registering for the public hearing at the November 2nd City Council meeting to express your opinion. Um, as always, here's to civic and civil engagement. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for watching.